three, two, Prepare one. For light Punch it, Chewie. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Holocron Hoopla. Hoopla! Hoopla! The unofficial podcast of This Is The Way. Oh. We're back again this week oh, for the new episode of The Mandalorian Season 3, Episode 3, The Convert. Very exciting stuff going on in this episode. Can't wait to talk about it with the Hoopla Krupla. As always, I am joined here by the Jedi historian himself, Andy Smith. Andy Smith, a connoisseur of many nerdy things, DC, Marvel, Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, and this was an interesting episode, I'd say. A little bit different than what we've seen in, uh, in Mandalorian episodes this A lot this of far. it different. We'll uh, get into that. Did you like it? Did you not like it? We'll see. Yeah, Certainly very will. different, very unexpected. A little change of storyline, but that's An okay. An unexpected journey, even. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Absolutely. You went there. Hoopla! <laughs> <laughs> Hoopla. We are also joined this week by everybody's favorite droid, Chris Pio. Hey everybody, C3 Pio here. Excited to be back for episode three. We got some good stuff. We got some bad stuff. We got some interesting stuff. So a little mix of everything in this episode and we're excited to talk it through. And very special guest this week. We have joining us on this episode of the Hoopla podcast. It is a droid therapist just making sure you're doing okay, <laughs> Jake Laxer. Uh, wow. Let me uh, let me just say this right here. Uh, glad to have witnessed my first TED talk on Coruscant. Uh, that was fun. <laughs> uh, Jake Laxer here, lover of all things TV and movies. Uh, we just finished up with The Last of Us. If you haven't checked out our review, go give that a listen. Um, but we're back in Star Wars, baby, and this was. One interesting episode. <laughs> I think we've all three said Maybe. interesting yes. so far. I, I, yes, I, I, very. I actually don't know. I don't want to say intriguing, <laughs> different. I don't. I don't know if you guys liked it or if you didn't like it. Yeah, uh, you know what? I'll lead with we'll this. Uh, this is a new director being brought on for this uh, episode. Lee Isaac Chung, who is known for indie films, which. His highest-rated film is a 7.4 on IMDb, which uh, is pretty much tying his highest score here. Uh, so could, uh, could be that, worse. Could be better. That, if that sort of explains things, uh, we'll just dive in with that. <laughs> yeah. All right. So a, a bit of a tepid response initially from the hoopla hoopla, <laughs> but we'll dive on into all the details what we thought about this episode. Thank you all for tuning in to this episode of the Holocron Hoopla podcast. Uh, oh, my name is Jamie Clare, by the way. I should probably say that at some oh, point. Hey, Jamie oh, Clare. Yeah. Doesn't matter. If you're interested in following us on <laughs> Twitter, all those other fun socials, where can they find us, Chris? Yeah, so make sure to follow our socials. If you're interested in talking Mando, and we hope that you are, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Holocron Hoopla. Uh, you can also follow our other subsidiaries at Hobbit Hoopla for anything in the Tolkien universe, as well as you can follow at Hero Hoopla uh, for anything that jumps off the comic book page, DC, Marvel, everything. Uh, we're going to see Shazam 2 coming up this weekend. Very excited about that. So Ooh, make sure to stick around for Ooh, our review yeah. of that film. Um, you can also follow our main channel at Hoopla Podcast Network, both on Twitter and Instagram. Would love to see you guys communicate, collaborate, and make sure to cooperate get in the comments and cooperate with us, uh, <laughs> talking everything you want to know about nerd stuff. Uh, the one surprise we have for our guests and listeners today here is that if we're talking Ooh. Star Wars, you got to be talking Star Wars Celebration. The Hoopla there Podcast Network will indeed be making the trip to Europe this year. Star Wars Celebration 2023 is happening in London, and two of our members here of the Hoopla Podcast Network will Hoopla. be in attendance, bringing you boots-on-the-ground information before any other outlet. And that is a guarantee. If you hear something from another outlet, it is not true. Wait for the Hoopla Podcast Network. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I couldn't even say it with a straight face. But we are so excited to bring you news, bring you content, and bring you everything Star Wars at Star Wars Celebration Europe starting April 7th to April 11th. 
Well, may the hoopla be with you, C-3PIO. And to give a get a little background here, you know, there's a Lucasfilm showcase. We might get a movie announcement Ooh. here uh, here in April. We may get some footage from the Ahsoka series, Bad Batch season three. There's a lot of things happening in Star Ooh. Wars. Lucas. Oh, if we see George Lucas, mm-hmm. don't believe any other uh, any other group. <laughs> Let us tell you first. Um, also, you know, tune in every week because George Lucas will be a guest on the podcast. I guarantee it at some point. So just <laughs> one of these weeks, just keep hey, tuning in. Time and I is promise infinite, you right? George Lucas will be here. Yeah, it's a guarantee. <laughs> it's an absolute lock. Yeah. So thank you guys for, for tuning in. Follow us on all those wonderful social media accounts. Uh, subscribe on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. We appreciate you sub- subscribing, reviewing leaving comments uh we appreciate reading everything that all the all the lovely listeners have said about the show so far definitely go out and check a uh, hoopla podcast network.square.site where we do have a holocron hoopla flat bill snapback as requested by one of our great members jake laxer here we have the holocron hoopla t-shirts white good. mug uh with a a little Luke Skywalker on the side, right near the twin sons, even. So check out our merch here. Now that's what I call no, an nope, Easter egg. No, nope. right. yes. could be. His name now. is Elias Groundwalker. <laughs> no, no Luke Skywalker <laughs> here. That's just a Not character Luke in Star Skywalker. Wars. All I'm gonna say is is that merch is out of this it world. Absolutely, <laughs> the merch is out it of this world. Uh, <laughs> so thank you. Uh, go check us out on on all that. Everything you need to know, all the links are in the episode description. You can find that uh, just to click away. And we'll be right back after this quick break, and we'll dive on in to this episode of The Mandalorian Season 3, Episode 3, The Convert. And welcome back to Holocron Hoopla. We all did kind of have a bit of a tepid response, as I said, to this episode at least initially uh maybe we'll just go around and talk about how we felt about this kind of standalone ish episode that we had taking a break from the adventures of mando and baby yoda and kind. meeting up with a a character we met back in season one what'd you guys think i'd like to lead if that's okay yeah go ahead I'll do i have it. the floor i'll allow it you have the floor you have the uh, ted talk in the middle of this <laughs> stadium i'm in the middle yeah. of coruscant i very much enjoyed this episode. Conceptually, I enjoyed every mm-hmm. single bit of the Star Wars world building. I enjoyed the acting, mm-hmm. which was just top-notch, off the charts. What I did not like was the progression of the episode, in the sense that it started with our main heroes, which mm-hmm. was awesome. Then it went to our not-main heroes and brought back a character from season one, which was awesome. Bold to call them heroes, but fine. <laughs> I guess you know, <laughs> heroes in their own way. What I did not like about the episode and the way that it was organized was that it was not interspliced. I kept thinking that as great as that little slice of life project was, and we've got, you know, 40 minutes of content, some odd, on them, you know, on, on Persian and, and uh, oh, what's her name? Rekha? Elia Kane. Kane, that's what it is. Uh, on those two characters, they were fantastic, but... I needed a little break. I did not like the way that the episode was organized and edited. I Mm. felt like if they were going to do that slice of life episode, which they fully invested in, and again, was good, they should not have brought Mando and Bo-Katan in at all. (laughs) I I, I don't, it just, it rubbed me the wrong way. I would have loved, it felt like the the Stranger Kid, or Stranger Kids, the other kids (laughs) episode from Stranger Things. Where we, we see these random kids that mean absolutely nothing to the overall plot. Mm. And of mm. course, I'm sure they're going to return in season five for some big, I don't know, hoopla. Certainly hope But so. I did not enjoy how we went five minutes, 40 minutes, five minutes. I would have loved to see a little pacing switch up. We had a, a great battle that we'll definitely talk about. And then we had this wonderful slice of life, uh, you know, pushing someone beyond their limits but it ends up being sinister anyways it was awesome i loved it did not like that we didn't go back and forth it just it just felt wrong to me what are your opinions on that quick round table yep am i alone Chris, in this 
No, you are very much adjoined in this situation here. Uh, My God. You, know, you mentioned collaboration, cooperation. Uh, I don't know, the other C word, whatever, doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> we were all on the same page there. That's the important thing. It felt to me as though, and I, you know, I love editing. Um, it felt to me as though this episode was cut and pasted into the wrong episode. Absolutely. Mm. Yes. It, it, yes. It was yes, almost yes. like they they had episode three established. They accidentally meant to put this blip, this forty minute blip, into episode five, <laughs> but they accidentally put it in episode three. It was just weird. It was just weird. Yeah. But you were right. Conceptually, there were a lot of things that I really did enjoy, like uh, glamorizing and glorifying Coruscant to be this yes. uh, very city cool. built over um, an entirely, you know. An entirely planet, an entire planet in and of itself, where really this Omate or, or Everest on Coruscant mm-hmm. can only be seen um, at its at its precipice, at its peak. So um, I I think expanding that was interesting. I think seeing how the creators and you know are or more gearing Star Wars towards a less fantastical world, and I say that in the sense that we're going away from the the magic and the wizardry of the Force, and more towards, you know, like Andor, like, you know, in this situation, yeah. uh, you know, and we're spending seeing... spending a whole episode with a scientist instead of yeah, space wizards. exactly. <laughs> the lack of space wizards. We're, yeah, actually with Dr. Space Wizard, you know, but... Hey, uh, yeah, shout yeah, out hey. to Dr. Space Wizard shout on Twitter. Shout out to Dr. Space Wizard, <laughs> yeah. Um, but it... You're right. I mean, conceptually, yes, this this was there, but it just felt awkward. It felt like an indie film, which is what this director does. So whatever. So I just finished the episode about 15 (laughs) minutes ago. So this is an immediate reaction, kind of not thinking too much. You know, usually I like to sit on these episodes before I start giving like ratings and things. But just right after finishing the episode, my two most exciting moments one being the opening, secondary, of course, the the, the ending, the closing, the closing, <laughs> and I, I, it kind of goes to what you're talking about here, uh, uh, Chris. Where we just oh. finished, like seeing the mythosaur, and everything that could happen as a result of that moment for Bo-Katan. We get into a fight with thirty odds, you know, tie interceptors. TIE fighters, some TIE bombers. One of the most amazing TV adaptations of a of a, a space battle. It looked like a movie. It was incredible. Like that. It was yeah, edited it was and shot like, like a movie. Great battle. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. we pop over to, to Coruscant. I loved the take on Coruscant. You're right. It was it was mm-hmm. actually it was more fantastical in terms of tone right. versus Andor, even though they're also going into the same kind of character slow kind of methodical dialogue like they were taking it almost seemed like they were taking elements from Mandor, but still being in the tone of the mandalorian and the fun nature yeah, the western the hero um, but then we get back to the, the last five minutes and that was actually one of my my highlight for the episode so the fact that the last scene yeah. and the first scene were my you know, favorite parts of the, the the episode kind of plays on did they need this in this way at this moment? Now, maybe yeah, you're I right. Maybe completely. this could have been a fifth episode to talk about Pershing and talk about some of the cloning because we need all that Correct. backstory. There's a lot of cool Easter eggs that I just picked up on briefly. Some Palpatine music. So, you know. Yeah, the, the March of the Resistance yeah, carnival theme. It, it was incredible, but... The Bo-Katan piece when she's, you know, this is the way. Like, that was exciting. Mm. That was a highlight. Oh, actually, well, I was going to say something else, but you, you now reminded me of this. When <laughs> they said this is the way when they were in the cockpit of Bo-Katan's ship, uh, he says this is the way, she says this is the way, and then Grogu babbles. So oh. I like to assume and believe that Grogu is <laughs> trying, trying so say hard to say this, this is, is the way. way. There was a cute counter, even though he was only in three scenes. When when he we turned... We still hit triple when, digits. When he turned his, uh, his pod, like closed his shield, when uh, Bo-Katan says they're going to have to... Like, he's going to eject. Yep. Uh, just yep. love a little... Little girl, it was great. Yeah, love the love the little guy. 
Um, yeah, so that, I was actually going to ask a, uh, I guess an early, I guess not spoiler question, but getting some insight here is, is your quote of, uh, of the episode from either the start or the end of the episode there, Andy? Oh, I mean, don't tell us, don't tell us, don't tell us yet what it is, but I imagine the quote of the episode is probably not from. Let's hear Jamie's take real quick. I, I hope the quote of the episode is Grogu trying to say yes, something. It's Grogu <laughs> Yes, thank God. I agree with Andy that my two favorite parts of the episode were the beginning and the end with Mando involved. And we did get two confirmations from things that we were questioning last week. We weren't super sure about whether uh, drowning in the living waters counted as uh, fulfilling the creed. Turns out he's all good. Yes. He's back in it. He's a full Mandalorian again. That was cool. And we got confirmation that I was right. You guys were wrong. He did just fall into yeah. the water. He was not pulled. I was right. I think Jake agreed with me. I did agree with you. You were wrong, and you, you should feel welcome. bad. I would say that as the only person here that's wore true Beskar armor, <laughs> he clearly doesn't have the, the correct, you know, the the full alloy. Like there's some, there's something. He doesn't off. have the buoyant Beskar. Yeah. He's missing out on the flotation. Yeah. He, He's got to work on his buoyancy a little but bit. Now that, he's negatively okay, buoyant. Now that he's we did buoyant. confirm that, I go back to that episode, and that scene, they could have made it a lot clearer that he fell, because he looked like he was being pulled under, but I digress. Agreed. Uh, I think it looked like he just drowned. He was being pulled under by gravity, so <laughs> I guess that counts <laughs> That's what you were looking under. for. That's exactly <laughs> what you were looking for. Um, but I did think it was very cool, and I was not expecting this, that Bo-Katan which we see at the very end of the episode, also fulfilled the creed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now she cool. is accepted into this sect of the Mandalorians, which was very fun. And she seemed pretty into it. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think she's opposed I, I, to the idea. Right, that, right. yes. Yeah. But I think I we're going to... I guess because also she's got no one, at, like her whole you group know, is gone, so... That concept could have been something we explored in the episode itself, but we had 40 minutes cut and paste from a different episode later <laughs> in the season, right. so we never got a resolution for that. And we will, We had to go talk to that nerd scientist for 45 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> we will. Again, Katie Sackhoff, just fantastic in everything she does. I mean, obviously, Pedro Pascal's is fantastic. There's no doubt about that, yeah. but we see so much more emotion because we do see her face, but this episode, we didn't. I mean, it stuck right. true to the creed. And she was giving just as much emotion, whether it was during the dogfight or, or, or towards the very end. Uh, I just, one thing bothers me, and I think it bothers all of you guys as we get into the, the you know, start to finish of this episode. Why did she not tell Mando about the Mythosaur? Yeah, very interesting. Theory time. I, I think it's because she is, a, she is a political actor, and she is always trying to stay ahead of you know yeah others maybe oh, so like knowledge is power or whoever it may be and i think it's it yeah i think it's within her interest potentially to keep that to the chest and then more so does that play into she looks at the mythosaur sculpture oh, at the very really? end of the, the episode well, um and that's that's the the final the final takeaway she looks over sees the tusks and to me, that means that she is now a part of the covert and she can now be, you know, the leader of said covert. If she said that she saw the mythosaur, there's like a lot of different avenues she could take with this, but she's a political leader. So, yeah, you're kind of like touching on something that I'm kind of curious about. Does the mythosaur being alive, like currently existing at this time, question the legitimacy of the creed? Because it seems like it's almost like no. an idol that they. No, it's it's no? just a symbol. I feel it's a like symbol. It just it strengthens it. If right. Yeah, well, that's it does. Yeah. right. It's, it's the opposite. Yeah. Right, because like the the yeah. Mandalorian, the first Mandalore tamed the Mythosaur, and that's why they made it their creed. And she is the political leader that would, you know, as a child but, would bathe in the waters, and all of her subjects would see yeah. that. So that would almost heighten her potential political standing in this society as her bloodline as the leader but Mm. that could also be challenged by the Vizsla family and you could see that and i always forget his name paz Vizsla paz Vizsla 
Me, uh, he's a hater. Let me tell you, total he's a hater. hater. Total hater. Calls her calls her night owl when she's that got her cool. helmet on. That yeah. was cool. Yeah, well. he's, um, he's throwing shade. Let me throw this at you. We'll go round table here. Mm. What happens first? Another Mandalorian discovers a mythosaur. Any mythosaur, not just that one. Or Bo-Katan tells someone that the mythosaur still exists. Oh, I think she's going to reveal that the mythosaur exists in a way that benefits mm. her in the next episode. Ooh. That's my theory. That's good. That's my theory. Yeah, I don't know. Because how, how does she go about revealing it in a way that benefits her, right? I feel like if she's to reveal it, then she needs to be the one to tame the mythosaur. Well, maybe that's, yeah. that could right. be. So maybe it's one thing, thing to have the to water... That. The water that they can test. I don't know what the armorer did to test it. I was it. like, that's some I, shiny I water. Magic, dude. It's called space wibbly wobbly magic. Some, she had like a graduated <laughs> cylinder or something. A couple beakers in that lab. Yeah. Oh, Jake, what do you think? So it's all first? about scientists. So, so something for me, Paz Vizsla, Pad Vizsla, Pad Vizsla. I don't know. How do you, whatever. His Paz Vizsla. P-A-Z. Paz, thank you. P-A-Z, Paz. Gotta love him gotta hate him i don't know um but this guy he's trying to take <laughs> yeah oh is it yeah, really that's john favreau's voice yes. oh wow all right well now he's not in the suit again. though i all think right. that's like Tormund <laughs> from game of thrones if i have that right oh is it uh, oh i'll, well, I'll, I'll let's fact check that i didn't one. know that either this is jamie checking in from the editing booth here it is in fact not Tormund from game of thrones paz Vizsla is played by the actor tate fletcher fact check complete um, Fact but checker Jake. he's been he's been trying to reacclaim some level of hierarchy or power or whatever you want to call it ever since losing his fight in the fight to Mando with the dark saber, correct? So perhaps you know him, you know, getting word of the mythosaur and trying to want to tame it could reestablish himself in this sort of oh, yeah Mandalorian mm-hmm. plane of of nobility. I don't I don't know. That's that could be something that comes into play. In terms of what takes higher... Jamie, what happens first? Yeah. Discovery or reveal? I truly have no idea what happens first, but I do think it poses a lot of very interesting things that these guys were alluding to of if these Mandalorians find out that the Mythosaur is alive and is there on Mandalore, the kind of fight for power becomes very interesting. Now they're not just going to use the Darksaber as the token that says, hey, I'm the most powerful Maybe you don't have the dark saber, but you do tame the Mandalore and you ride the Mandalore. Mythosaur gives you <laughs> ride the Mandalore. That tame is a the different Mandalore piece of content. And the and of it is not on Disney Plus. <laughs> <laughs> wow, well, you I'm, know what I meant. I know what ride you mean. the Mandalorian and just <laughs> go crazy on a Mythosaur. I am... but if you if you do tame the Mythosaur, then you have a claim. Yes. Equal to, if not greater than, wielding the dark side. Hundred percent. See so that I don't know. Interesting to see that, the dynamics. That I don't know. That yeah, what where they sort of relate to one another. Agreed. I mean, they're very. Yeah. Yeah. The reason I bring it up is simply I have a theory. It doesn't need theory music. Don't put it in for me. I just I'm don't think we've seen the last of Mandalore, the 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 planet this season no. by any stretch. No. And I think, no. I think the information is going to be revealed before discovered. I think she's gonna, you know. She's going to say, oh, well, I, I saw a mythosaur. I, I should be the leader of the Mandalore again. I, I, I f- faced it face to face. And, uh, you know, who knows if she's going to be able to tame it. And came out alive. The big thing I think that's going to happen is that the bombings of Mandalore created so many chasms. And that's mm-hmm. how a mythosaur got yes. in and everything. That's the theory right now. I think there mm-hmm. are lots of mythosaurs oh my uh, yeah. i mean it'll just be mythosaurs lots on of mythosaurs. big ones or maybe a bunch of little tiny ones and maybe we just little get baby cute tiny little mythosaurs. like teacup sized mythosaurs <laughs> that you can adopt <laughs> maybe a couple legend source oh like a little parrot on the shoulder yeah. <laughs> little grogu can have one grogu's gonna ride a little <laughs> chihuahua sized mythosaur <laughs> that would overload yes. the cute counter yeah <laughs> i think we're not it done break, with mandalore break the cute and counter. i think we're we're certainly going to see multiple mythosaurs. I, I think the planet being in its current state, I think we're leading to that. I, I mean, Mando fell how many feet? First of all, again, Jake, the Benz, I, I think you know very much about that. And that would probably the be The guy problem. needed to make at least one or two safety stops. He didn't have a pressurized helmet. You're <laughs> not going to get the Benz if you're not breathing pressurized air. He's fine. The science works true? out. He's good I, to go. I got you. I got you, science guy. She's fucked. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Uh, 
but we can't spend uh, again i i do think this episode was not mismanaged i think jake said it best it's cut and paste we can't spend all the time on the front or the yeah, back. Yeah, let's talk because... about the meat. <laughs> the meat of the episode. Let's talk about the beef. <laughs> well, I'm just saying we have to move on because we got to talk about the dog fight. Well, we got to talk about the dog fight. Yes, I exactly. Mean, that was oh, beautiful. Wonderfully yes, shot. Yes, yes. Uh, I, I think I was just, I had my jaw dropped the whole time for that. I, I, I was total Star Wars. It felt, it felt like being in uh, the theater in December of 2015, whenever it was, watching The Force yeah. Awakens and watching Ray pilot the Millennium Falcon because that was... I, I, the, the, the sequel trilogies, we're not here to talk about that right now. They had their own problems, but that moment was magical, yeah. watching the Millennium Falcon, and it felt like that. It, it felt like the heroes were winning the battle and being clever and doing everything they needed to do, and it was just magical Star Wars. It felt... Very good, very clean, and it was just beautifully shot. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just wonderfully done. The the careening through the the caverns. I mean, it's just so cool, incredible. Mm-hmm. I've been flying through these caverns since I was a kid. Yeah, that Ooh, was a great whoops. line. It's been a long yeah. time. It's been a while. <laughs> and yeah. the two of, and two of them has a combo. We we don't often see that. Where it's just you know a larger ship, and then you know you have the Naboo starfighter on the side. They're playing off one another. Uh, when she goes through the caverns and says, take a right, and then he had a direct shot. The way that then he doglegs, I guess, straight up in the air, stops. That reminded me of Force Awakens. Yeah, the dive. The dive dives and then is able to take out the last, the last fighter. It, it, there was kind of a, a magic to it and an excitement and something that I think we've missed in Star Wars for a long time because we haven't had... A cinematic Star Wars in three, four years. Yeah. And we got the dogfight yeah. last episode in yeah, space, which sure. was, was cool. But that was pointed in the sense that he was supposed to be fighting them to eventually get trapped by, you know, the Junker King or whatever it was, whatever his name is, <laughs> the space pirate. Uh, <laughs> space pirate. But, you know. but this one, you know, this one was the heroes are in peril. It was defense. And, and even more so, we saw that when the Thai bombers actually got to the castle, which was really heartbreaking after such a cool moment. Uh, yeah. And a moment between was, the two of them specifically where they're clearly, yeah. are, did you guys feel like they were leaning into a relationship there? Because it did feel like that to me where they're no. pushing. No, they, I didn't get that. No, I, didn't I, I don't that. ship that. I'm, sh- I'm shipping nope. it. No, no I'm shipping you're it. wrong. <laughs> well, 100%. I think the problem is, is that when I'm you're tied, shooting a I'm show like bombing this, it. Right. I'm tie bombing it. Sorry, you can tie bomb it. <laughs> Your ship just got exploded, my dude. Sorry, I, I think. Sorry, it's, not sorry. <laughs> the Mandalorian is such a stoic character, and that's what people love about him. And Grogu needs to be the only person in the world that brings a soft side out of him. I don't think we ever see a romantic relationship. I don't disagree with you, but I think they're. How going could they to. even kiss? It'd be I, impossible. I agree with you, but they're not. Bink, bink. I think they're going to. <laughs> have a storyline that plays into that but them okay. two as a couple won't work based on her political aspirations and his relationship with grogu and his you know how he wants yeah. to live his life he wants to live his life he is also well, the leader I, of mandalore right now <laughs> i i don't think a relationship will True. work between them because there is no relationship between them <laughs> Okay, yeah. And because Mando is going to die this season, guaranteed. Nah. Oh, my. That theory's still running. My theory is better than that All one. Right. We got to talk about Pershing. So we have the TIE bombers, and that leads us very interestingly to the little side adventure that we go on with for R4? 90% of this episode. Oh, they, yeah. they end yeah. the section with Mando and Grogu and Bo-Katan with them questioning where all these Thai bombers are coming from. This fleet yeah. is more, I forget the exact quote, but it's more than just a small imperial fleet. It, there's like some sort of big oh imperial power that's kind of mysteriously working in the background that we don't know about. And then we transition over to this whole story with Dr. Pershing and Elia Kane leading us towards more of these questions about the end of the empire leading us to the... Um, New Republic. Called? The... New- the new, new republic. republic the new republic oh the first order well yeah leading us to the first order 
Well, um, well, uh, sorry. It depends on what you're talking about. I, I don't mean to interrupt because I did just. Well, interrupt. let's talk about all of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, so we're in <laughs> that's, the new that's why republic. We're here. This is a we're in the, lessened you, government. They're decommissioning. They've beat the they're empire. They're now pacifists. So they think they do not have a. They right. no longer have a military, which they kind of allude to. But what I'm thinking is we're watching the rumblings of the first order. For the sequel yes, trilogies. Yes, exactly, exactly. So is this mysterious, this mysterious leader that we don't know about who's kind of sending all these imperial ships, is that the burning embers that will lead to the First Order arising? And we get some pretty interesting looks into what's happening on the evil side of the galaxy in this episode, which I thought was pretty fun. I agree. Yeah, I, I had no problem with the 40-minute adventure we took. None whatsoever. Again, I thought it was... Top-notch acting. Uh, the the two actors that we had there, excellent yep. chemistry, Pershing and and Kane. I, I yep. thought Omid Abtahi and Katie O'Brien. Katie O'Brien, who was just in Ant Man and the Wasp, by the way. Um, oh, she was. I, that's a great shout out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good call. Oh, was she like the leader of the the rebels? Uh, you yeah. got what it. What dialogue yes, that's exactly right. was better? This episode. On Coruscant or Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantum Media. <laughs> this episode by a hundred times. <laughs> I thought a lot of the I thought a lot of the dialogue in On Coruscant between the two of them left much to be desired. I I, really? I, I was I was not I, into the relationship I, really. You know, honestly, I think it's because oh, I'm, I agree with I'm relating it over to what we've seen with the the personal storylines in andor and it's hard for obviously no kidding like it's hard for i shouldn't just be relating things over but my expectations no, of that, you should. i didn't believe their interactions and i thought there was a lot of cringy dialogue obviously the one character mm. was you know playing pershing the whole time so maybe they were trying to play on that a bit but the relationship there i i did not enjoy comparatively to the, our other heroes yeah, I don't. Agree. I agree with you. Right. I agree with you 100. Yeah. What yep. do you think, Jake? Yeah. No, I'm I'm exactly on the same page. Um, I don't know where I was going to go with this. I was going to make a nice, good comment, but uh, it has <laughs> it has vanished. It His has gone into the abyss and sleep. into the we void. We need you to go to the back to tank. Dress. Yeah, I need to. I need to plunge into the back to tank. There were definitely some moments through this episode where I wasn't exactly losing interest, but I just wasn't as invested as I typically am for a Mandalorian episode. It, it didn't quite grab me the way that most of these stories do, which it honestly should have, because this hits really close to home, the story of a doctor without a lab to work in. That's me right now. I am currently, I'm currently a scientist without really a lab. I'm really trying to relate it to Jamie flailing Claire. around. A poet without his and quill. And they nailed it. Um, I can't imagine what he's going through not having this lab to work in. Uh, it must be tough, but I just, yeah, I couldn't get into it as much as I, as much as I normally do in these episodes. Yeah. For me, I just felt like this whole middle storyline was very similar to something that we've already seen. You know, we have a character that's now smuggling an old Imperial ship, which we saw in Andor. Then we see the, the same character or, you know, sitting in the inner workings of uh, a corporation having to file paperwork just like one of the other characters in Andor. It just felt like a total rewrite for this new show. I the originality was lacking for me and I think that took me out of it, but you do bring up a good point Andy in terms of their conversation does lead more towards something else, but to be determined as to what that is. I'll challenge you on the originality point simply because this is one of the first timeline-wise stories of a uh, previous empire or, or, or previous empire recruit uh, employee, whatever that you want to call it. Wonderful, trying to it was interesting, trying mm. to break in and and, and you know uh, subside the the new republic, get around it. And we saw the struggle. We saw the therapy sessions, which were very cool and and representative of a weak new republic, which is obvious considering they failed, you know, years later when the First Order comes to power. Spoilers, I, Chris. <laughs> my goodness. Not Hosnian Prime. seen those movies. Jesus. Poor Hosnian Prime. Another uh, uh, oh, an Akinomulus city or whatever. Akinopolis, a full yeah. city planet. Yeah. Uh, was, they they wow. put a name on it. Yeah. I forget what it was. I just think, in terms of originality, well, what else is an ex 
empire person supposed to do for 40 minutes? Of course they're going to try and get back into imperial type of tech, imperial type of weapons, imperial type of whatever. So as far as originality goes, I understand what you're trying to say, but I think you used the wrong word. It's something we've seen before, sure, but I thought this was fresh and new with the amnesty situation, uh, with, you know, this character could truly go either way. Pershing, I, I think, was very hesitant and almost got away from the conniving of Kane. Kane's conniving. Uh, I, I just think, yes, it's a story we've seen before, but I don't want to use the word unoriginal. I don't know how... I- to convince you to believe that but <laughs> it's it's recency bias chris that's that's Maybe what it that. is for me <laughs> I, I do have to say the amnesty piece was something that you know we probably haven't touched on in a lot of ways but we touched on it in bad batch for the clones as they're yes. being taken into the the empire and what happens to those people from an empire perspective as the new republic is born what happens to all these imperial officers and and people that were mopping the the star destroyers as you know they're thinking they're (laughs) doing the right thing they're just working for the government um and having like Mm -hmm. an uh reintroduction facility program that they go through and then they're sent if you make the program then you get sent to coruscant the most populous city in the in the galaxy like that's a really interesting storyline and seeing how they interact and i enjoyed when they were sitting at the table with the four of them, I think more so my dislike of some of the interactions was between Elia and Pershing specifically. Now it's interesting to what it gets to at the end of the story where she's clearly has been upon seeing him. I don't know if it's, she has to dis- a disdain for him. If she's working for the moth, like there's a lot of interesting things that could come out of this. I think it was, I think the story was more interesting than the writing. And I don't know how exactly yes. that works, mm. but they posed some really interesting thought provoking yeah. concepts in this episode. Yes. Of the con- yes. Dr. Pershing had been working on science for the empire. Of course, the empire is evil. They were using his science for evil things. But would it be possible to take, and this kind of ties back to real world debates that people have had is, can you use the science that he was doing for the empire and use it for good now? Is there a way to use that knowledge for good or to use his intelligent scientific mind to help the New Republic? It also introduces interesting questions about who is Kane working for right now? Where are things going with her whole story, which I'm very interested in the story and finding out the backstory to how she got here and where it's going. But I just, hmm. there was something about how the episode went that I wasn't super Was it just it. the chemistry? It was the kind of maybe the chemistry plus some of the writing Which dialogue. is fair. I mean, based on my personal experience, be being a nerdy little scientist interacting with a uh, <laughs> people in the military, oh. looking at you, Jake. Communications hey. director. <laughs> Terrible chemistry all around. <laughs> oh, Jamie, yeah, what you're saying is exactly what Andrew said in not so many words something left to be desired. And maybe yes, that was the right. key of the episode. Maybe maybe the dialogue itself was intended to be cringy, intended to be tepid, intended to be something yep. that didn't quite click because we were supposed to realize, mm. and, and not like, I, this isn't some, you know, glass onion twist. It's not like you, I can say, oh, I called it. We, we I, felt that happen. Right, right? I, I did call it. I have a note here that says she's playing him, yeah. right? And that's about maybe halfway through the and episode. They and, did do a lot of like little things along the way like her favorite color flavored crackers were the red crackers yeah she was she's eating a eating red, red glowing popsicle, lightsaber yeah. popsicle she was exactly you know, she was evil she was taking him towards the dark side the whole way but and so yeah. it wasn't hard to pick that out but maybe it wasn't supposed to be maybe maybe we're two steps behind the actual writing team i i'm not sure i i well, see where you're coming from with the cringy dialogue but maybe yeah. that was on purpose i don't know you know regardless my favorite part of this entire 40 minute side story was when we have dr pershing what's his last name pershing yeah dr pershing, pershing lying on the table about to receive some shock therapy he looks over at the Mon Calamari scientist and says, it was a trap. And then I was back in. 
When he said it was, it's a trap. I yes, lost. That was incredible. It was a trap. That was great. <laughs> it's a trap. We shouldn't. We, for some reason, that would like. I don't know how that's any different than when the droid like pushes the the statue on IG Eleven, and then uh, Mando <laughs> makes a quippy remark that Chris hated. It's yeah. the exact same thing, yeah. but this one just hit different because it's a trap. Yeah, this one worked. Oh, this I one loved worked. it both times. It, and and when I watched it the second time, uh, it it almost looked like the Mon Calamari soldier or you know scientist. He, he almost looked offended for a second. If you go back and read, <laughs> it was a full it was, second it was and funny. a half. Cut. It was funny. It was great. Yeah, it was. It I was think I think the mic like, just blew at what there, point but. do you think like Dave Filoni said, "All right, in this series, I gotta have him on Calamari, and he has to say it's a trap," and they found it. They found that. that. Yeah. You know, it wouldn't have worked if there wasn't a Mon Calamari earlier in the episode. If it had just been there for the It's a Trap, yeah. it wouldn't have worked. They're but, actively around. They uh, say that all the time. It's just a, uh, it's a Mon Cala phrase. You'll hear it three or yeah. four times. Well, the Mon Calamari wasn't the one who said it. Yeah. It was Pershing the said science it. Yeah. Dr. Pershing oh, said right. it. Yeah. That's right. You just watched this, Andy. I, I did. Yeah. I, I did. But Jake's seen You it watched twice. it more recently than any of That's us. True. Yeah, I have. Well, so <laughs> let's talk about the trap because I'll be honest, I had to watch the scene twice. He gets into the lab. He's like a kid in a candy shop. Mm. Pershing gets all the equipment <laughs> he needs and they're, they're, you know, there's a sound, some commotion. They run out and they both get trapped by the police. But she just kind of walks away. So Set how up. high is her influence in the sense that Either A, she was working with that police and they are, you know, defecting, or B, she, and we get the, the, the fill in later, oh yeah, she already filed a report. That's not enough right there in that scene mm -hmm. where she truly just walks behind the line of fire. What did I miss there? Because how did she just walk away? Like both of them should have been apprehended and then they could have said, oh yeah, she already filed a report, you're the one going under. But she just walked away it, from it was the line almost of fire. As I if did not get that during their escape from the perimeter that they're they're living in. That she actually triggered it in some way. But I didn't pick up on any point other than maybe when they walk into the Imperial Star Destroyer, there was a uh, a droid. I, I there was a droid that was kind of on the side, and I thought, and it was looking around, and I, that's what I thought. Maybe she like triggered something to the. To the uh, the, the New little Republic. bug yeah, droid, I don't know. the little bug droid. Yeah, the or... bug. I was definitely kind of confused by that because it seems like she. So at the very end of the episode, right? She she cranks up the mind flare to eleven and blasts this dude's brains out. Eleven. So from that action, she seems to be working with someone above, someone outside the New Republic. Yes. She seems right. to be a, a double agent working 100%. with someone outside the New Republic. But that wouldn't have helped her with the police encounter exactly. when they got caught. So she's also working with some high ups in the New Republic. But then why were they planning on trapping Dr. Pershing? Like, why would they bring Dr. Pershing into this system if their plan was to just well, trap so him and she's, wipe his mind? She's standing and talking to the Twi'lek that's kind of organizing the actual procedure and he ends up saying, you know, for one success, there's a failure. And thank you for, you know, helping us, uh, you know, keep doing what you're doing. And you're a great uh, help to the New Republic. So I, I don't really know how that plays together, but they're I, kind of just alluding to she's I, helping the amnesty group weed out this one that needs to be reintroduced. I I took this excursion as an opportunity for her and her team to be able to acquire the appropriate lab materials mm. to continue the research without him. Yes, agreed. Um, yes, and but then, then how does that factor into the New Republic side of things? Well, it's a good point. Get away from the police. Well, apparently that his research has something to do with the rise of the First Order. That no, no, no. But how did she get away from the police? Oh well, she. She obviously is like a secret agent or something. That but that means the police of the New Republic are already defecting. They're already corrupt. Sure. Sure. Mm. I, I just think that's a, it was an interesting way to do it. 
because the police would have taken Pershing right to the Mind Flare lab. And and are they not talking? Is the entire well, then, amnesty program corrupt? Well, then they uh, maybe if, if I, they brought him right to the Mind Flare lab, then they would have never gotten the material, right? Yes, but here's what here my point on why the confusion started is they both get trapped, right? Spotlight on them. They sure. get trapped. Police is all around. They could have just done a pan on both of their faces. They're both looking distressed. Cut. That yep. scene means that both of them are in trouble. Right. Now they can backfill that with, oh, she already filed her report. You're the baddie. You're, you're the bad one. We need to put you in the mind flare. She's okay. You put her up to it. That would make sense. But what does not make sense is her simply walking away from the police. That means that she's working with the police. She's right. higher than the police. She's, I, I just don't know. And that's what left the most confusion of the episode. And then, of course, we cut right to Mando, which, again, really just turmoiled and, 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 and snowballed into my confusion with the way the episode was edited. Oh, yeah. When the episode resumed its normal self. Exactly. <laughs> when the cut and taste the regularly scheduled programming. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. Well, hopefully we get some more answers because it does seem very confusing at this point as to right. who exactly she's, I mean, we don't know who she's working for overall. Her interactions with the New Republic, this amnesty program is very interesting as well. So hopefully we get some more answers because at this moment, uh, I don't know what's going I, on. Didn't fully make sense. Hey, I would say kind of rewinding to a 10, 15 minutes before that point in the episode when sure. when Pershing goes and he uh, he makes the decision that he's going to restart the lab. And I alluded to it a little bit earlier. The Darth Plagueis theme from Revenge of the Sith when Anakin and, and Emperor Palpatine mm. are in the opera begins to play. And it, when it, yes. and it booms, it's not subtle. Like if you, if you, you will know, if you just go back and watch the, they really turn it very high over and over and over again. And that to wow. me, it's, I need to go check it, that out. it leads that plus his discussion on taking uh, DNA from two different beings and putting it together to make you know, another being, this is all leading into Snoke. It's somehow, all leading into... Palpatine returns. Somehow Palpatine returned, and I do think it's going to... It, Grogu plus something else all leads to the sequel trilogy. And I, I do think that's really cool and fun, and they can explore a lot there. And while I'm glad they did this in episode three, because they're... I, I don't think they're just going to leave this out here. I do think this is going to play in with Moff Gideon. Maybe Moff Gideon has, you know, some connections with the First Order or the Moff Final is Order. Snoke. Um, Moff Gideon is not Snoke. If Moff Gideon is Snoke, <laughs> you know. Jake, you're about to have a conniption here. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, Andy brought up a great point. Being able to catch that. That score is honestly very impressive. Oh, but I love that song. Regardless of the fact, regardless song. of the fact whether it was Shout booming out David or not, Collins. yeah, regard, yeah, <laughs> regardless of whether or not it was booming in the background. But it leads me to another question: Have you ever heard <laughs> of the tragedy of Darth Plagueis the Wise? I have. I watched Revenge of the Sith last week. <laughs> is Jake? Is, oh is that a story God. that? Is that a story that the Jedi would tell us? No. You know. <laughs> Did you I'm, just spend 45 minutes wagging your finger to get our attention to make that joke? Yes. Not and you loved by it. a Jedi. Okay. <laughs> See, that's that's an interruption style joke. Yeah. You're welcome. You, you just gotta, blurt it out. You got to put that one but out there. We're not going to be mad at you about that. Yeah, I was being beautiful. respectful. I appreciate your politeness. Because Andy had a very good point there, and I didn't want to interrupt uh, honestly, it because it, it was very sound. We and would have was, ignored you anyway. Yeah, well, you know, I'm I'm here to be to be listened to, to be ignored. That's for the audience to decide. But I don't okay. Agree. So if I'm going to talk about a few other it. parts of this episode, I like as we start to wrap up here. We the train sequence and getting onto the train was really fun, and it really reminded me of some of the best yeah. parts of Tong's days. Am I right? Go follow. Go follow oh, our yeah, new Tom's Twitter it. account. Yeah, I, it really reminded me of Solo. 
Like the vibe of that whole sequence was very oh, similar yeah. to Star Wars story, mm-hmm. um, which was kind of that fun adventure. Once again, they're, obviously they're running, jumping between different train carts, but that was just fun. And like that's, I think that was a highlight of the episode. They didn't play on the Pershing in an office as well as what we saw with what's his name from Andor, Captain Partagas. No, that's no, that's later. We'll get back to that. <laughs> Um, they didn't play on it as well as Andor did. So that was a little bit lack- lackluster for me. Um, but it was fun to see Coruscant in a more fantastical, lighthearted, mm-hmm. jovial mood because now the New Republic is here. And another thing that popped in my mind is we talked to the senators. All these senators are giving yeah. him praise. And then one of the senators is, well, you know, Imperial... New Republic, they're all the same. Rebels. I almost got drafted once. And that all plays into, (laughs) and it gives like (laughs) a good perspective that, yes, this is the New Republic. It's not the Empire with the Emperor leading it. But once again, that doesn't mean that there's not political corruption. There's elitism. That's all playing within Coruscant. It's just a perfect symbol of, like... Well, I said elitism. <laughs> people being political power just being pushed into one area while all the people are yeah. on the outside in the outer rim. Totalitarianism. People are just not doing well. But the New Republic is here, and this is how wonderful it is. You know they vac- vacation on Canto oh. Bite. Oh, absolutely. Oh, who doesn't Please love a good vacation on Canto Bite? And, lo- and lose love some credits. Canto Bite. I, yeah. <laughs> we got to calm down going to New Go into planets that we've been to before because Chris will get very oh. angry if okay, we ever go to, to a planet by, that we've Chris seen would be I'm so okay. sorry that we went to Coruscant, buddy. I'm At so the sorry. Beginning, are you okay? I liked seeing, I thought about it. Yes, I did. It did cross my mind. It crossed my mind when Mando was like, I'm sending you jump coordinates. I was like, oh my God, they're going to go see yes, Kelly on Tatooine again. I was, <laughs> I was like, here we go. No new planets. And then I saw this city and I was like, is this Coruscant? But I didn't initially recognize that it was Coruscant and therefore it was a great introduction into seeing it in a new way. So I didn't, that did not bother me at all. Chris, is it the sand that gets to you on Tatooine? It's coarse and rough and irritating (laughs) and it gets everywhere. (laughs) Uh, We've talked about the beginning of the episode. We've talked about, you know, the train and, and Kane's connivings. We've talked about... Uh, the very end with the police, which just leaves a little bit of confusion. Uh, what else is there to talk about? We've talked about the end a bit, but I mean, we should end this episode with the fact that it does end with, you know, a good five minutes of of Mandalorian content. Uh, yeah. I thought the armorer was was great in saying, okay, you you did it. Wow, you did it. I I have no choice but to let you back in. And then the the, the surprise with Bo-Katan was also very cool. Again, she doesn't seem opposed, which was great. Uh, I, I, again, as we wrap up here, I loved both parts. I loved every scene of this episode. Mm. I just didn't like that we had that big scene in the middle. Just felt weird to me. Yeah. Super yeah. Bizarre. I think I've been thinking about it ever since you mentioned that at the beginning of the episode. And I think maybe if we had a shorter intro with Mando, if there was no dogfight if there was no tie bombers if it was just sure yeah one minute scene in the water and then the two minute scene at the end that were the bookends of the episode i think that would have been perfect but they gave us like just a little bit too much mando for them i was ready for a mandalorian episode after that and i didn't get it if they had just thrown this in the book of Boba Fett, it would have made so much more sense. It would have made so much more sense if you just replaced the Mandalorian yeah. episodes of the Boba You're Fett You're just trying to take all the good stories episode. that Mandalorian had in the book of Boba Fett and switch it with the filler episodes. Yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll say this. Because I want those Boba Fett episodes to be in this yes, season exactly. of Mando. They of course. Should. Of course. <laughs> I'll say this. My last point on the frustration with the way the episode was was edited. One of my favorite shows of all times is Scrubs. Uh, and mm. it's it's told from the point of, of Dr. John Dorian. JD is the main character. Uh, but all the episodes are named My Something. It's just like the Friends thing where the one with the... All Scrubs episodes are My Bad Day, My Hero, something like that. But there are rare my episodes... My best friend Chris. Oh, buddy. There are rare episodes <laughs> where droid. Zach Braff... I can't do this the, song okay. on my own. No, I know. I'm no Superman. Yes, that's a great theme song. You nailed it. 
Thank there you. are episodes <laughs> in Scrubs, rarely, where JD will touch another character that's important to the main cast and pass the story off, including narration, including point of view. And those episodes are named her story or his bad day, not my. That is an effective way to tell a third person which becomes first person story. It did not work in this particular episode. Again, I know these are two way different types of shows. One is a sitcom comedy. You know, one is a complete production that's done in the year 2023. It's 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 completely different to compare them. But in terms of stylistic episodes, I just think giving us, like Jamie said, as much as they did of a Mandalorian episode and then completely shifting gears was just the wrong way to do it. There was not even a handoff. There was no handoff. It would have been one thing if the Mandalorians were going to Coruscant for some reason, but we just went to Coruscant for no apparent reason other than to tell a story. It just didn't work for yeah. me. And that's other the last than, part i Other than copy-paste. Copy-paste. <laughs> it would have been very different if the, their coordinates then took them to the final scene of the episode was them arriving in Coruscant. It would have tied everything together nicely. But Exactly. You know. Whatever. Not a perfect episode, but Whatever. we got some very interesting story points. Yeah. They even could have flown through Coruscant airspace. Like, it, they could have done anything. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. They should have sure. just gone light speed through the center of the planet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that would have been a good way to end the episode. Through the Everest Jamie, mountain. No, oh as Chris day, was talking, I did have, like, a final theory came to mind here mm. with Elia, specifically, where... She was, we've seen that character before on the, as kind of the right hand to Moff Gideon. During the right. conversation between all of the, the different, the former Imperials, they talk about, oh, what happened to Moff Gideon? Oh, I thought he was in the war tribunal. Well, somehow he got away. Well, I thought that this happened to him. He's clearly not where we expected him to be. And at this point, she is now clearly doing away with Pershing's mind, turning the, the machine all the way up. My theory is she is still working on behalf of Moff Gideon, removing his, mm. his moral compass being Pershing's, and they're going to use him yep. to get to the place where cloning is able to create someone like Snoke. Like, this is, this is yep. the storyline. Yeah. She is still on behalf of Moff Gideon. He's, his character is not done. He is still yes. a bad within this universe. And what would be very interesting, I'm, this is going to go be, like, super outlandish, but I'm going to add to your theory. Okay. Let's hear it. Is, do we have a, a theory music for outrageous theories? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's called Jake's Voice. <laughs> we'll just crank the bass on my, our normal theory music. But anyhow... Um, they're going to use the cloning ability on Moff Gideon, which leads us to Snoke, right? But so then, right. right? But then they realize that there's some degree of imperfection. They perfect that. That's how we re reemerge with Palpatine. No, Pal. Uh, hmm. Somehow, it, it Palpatine returned. <laughs> oh, wow. Somehow, our buddy Andy Serkis's character from Andor will be cloned and become Snoke. Wow. What? what a crossover episode. Oh, my God. <laughs> but I think if they did something like that, though, it would explain a lot more, and I think it would help digest the sequels. I mean, I, I do think that... I would I would like to have Moff Gideon revealed as a lieutenant or as someone that is trying to maintain something for the eventual buildup of the First Order, which we know is really a buildup for the Final Order. We don't have to get into that, but the cloning technology <laughs> has to get to the point yeah. of having seven or eight different Snokes in a tube in the Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> so they, Pershing needs yes. to get on this. Yes. We need to figure out how Palpatine returned and how Snoke got Somehow cloned a million Palpatine times. Palpatine returned. <laughs> and hopefully we'll find out the rest of those answers throughout the rest of this season three of The Mandalorian. <laughs> so tune in again next week when we talk about episode four. It should be a doozy. Hopefully we get some more Mando in that episode. But as we come to the close of this episode of the Holocron Hoopla podcast, let's go around and give this episode a nice little rating on a scale of one to order 66. What did you think about this episode, Chris Pio? Ooh, I get to start with the lead and end with the lead. 
I'll, I'll do a bit of an uh, interesting rating here. I, again, I, I cannot stress enough how well I thought that scenes with, with uh, Kane and Pershing worked. And then again, the Mando scene at the front, excellent. Mando scene at the back, possibly better if you discount the dogfight. I'm going to give the episode a 56 out of 66. Everything Oopla. in it was Oopla. excellent. Here's Oopla. the thing. I'm going to subtract. I'm going to give it a minus five <laughs> modifier <laughs> for the way that it was edited. Math I, alert. It threw oh, me off man. right away. It, it felt like it was trying to be a slice of life. It felt like it was. It just did not fit there. So my, my score after doing the math is a 51 out of 56. It lost points simply for the way that they decided to do it. But everything else about the episode was excellent. I'll take it. Jakey boy, what'd you think? Um, Chris, I am a little disappointed because that's the exact thing I was going to say. Oh, he started but, with me. Sorry. <laughs> with the modifier? With the modifier? With the modifier. I was going to use a negative editing bonus oh. uh, or, or <laughs> subtraction due, oh to, due to... yeah. Due to poor editing skills, but um, yeah, uh, for me, I'm gonna give this episode a 66. Out of what? 66, 100. percent Yeah, you're like, saying it's like 66 out of 100. So like, uh, oh, be that's like not 40. the scale. Oh, it'd, be like a, it'd, be like a, scale it'd be like a 44 Jake. out of 66. Oh, that's true. That, that <laughs> what would, are you doing? Would be 66. Oh my god. Yeah. So you know, 44 out of 66 for me. The one um, thing we do I on the Hoopla it. podcast is come it. up with ridiculous grading scales. You can't go away from that. <laughs> that's our bread no. and butter, baby. It's, it's 44 out of 66. We're, we're there. Right, okay. We're there. <laughs> that's that's where I was at. But I was throwing you a curveball. I had to be a little fun with it. Um, but yeah, again, the editing just took me right out of it. I was, I just didn't understand as to why they organized it the way they did. There was no transition. It's just here, story gone, back story gone. Now we're here. Okay. Um, but yeah, otherwise conceptually great fight. Great. 44 out of 66. I'll take it. Beautiful. <laughs> um, I do want to th- throw in this one point though. Because you guys gave negative points for the editing, which is fine. I I understand your point, but I just want to make the point that it can be done. This exact same story structure can be done in a way that is fantastic. If you take a look at episode three of The Last of Us, season one, mm-hmm. won't go into spoiler uh, details about that, yeah. but it is an identical story structure in that episode, and yep. they absolutely nailed it mm-hmm. in The Last of Us. They maybe missed the mark here, but it is the, it's an identical story structure, which I think is uh, very okay. interesting. I think they intro, missed the mark here. Up, it, it goes to execution. Intro, okay. It goes to execution. And yeah. here, they, they missed the mark here like a stormtrooper. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Big time stormtrooper energy on this episode. Big stormtrooper uh, And it comes down to, yeah. to characters and relationships and chemistry between characters. So I, I agree with what you guys are saying, but... The story structure can work in The Last of Us. Go check out our Hoopla episodes on that. But more importantly than that, Andy, what did you think about this episode of The Mandalorian? It was all enjoyable. It was fun. Like, I love seeing Coruscant. I love seeing, hearing about the what happens to Imperials after the New Republic, you know, came to being. It was interesting to hear about the DNA and and all the 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 work that's being done to lead up to potential future storylines that lead into the sequel trilogy. Once again, it was out of the three episodes we've had so far. This was by far the the least uh, least favorite of mine. I'm gonna have this at a 48, so around a seven. I would give it if I was yeah. gonna give this out of 10. I think this is a seven. Stop converting the rating scales, guys. <laughs> Use the rating scale. <laughs> yeah. The opening dogfight was incredible. It was cinematic, and I would love to see that in mm-hmm. a Star Wars movie. Yeah, that, that's that a sixty-six. Honestly, that, out of brings, 66. that that brings mm. this this story up, um, and I it's attributed to the the VFX team to be able to create something like that. Oh, 100%. On, uh, for mm-hmm. a TV well like a uh, TV show here, so I'm excited to see what happens with the Mandalorian pieces going forward here. That was a perfect scene. I agree. I agree. I think it was. I I wouldn't change a single atom. A, a single frame of that dogfight scene from start to finish. I, I you think said you were draw dropped. Uh, I was there enamored. I couldn't like, like that's what we want yeah. for space battles, getting into Kalvala battles. 
R.I.P. the Calavala. Yeah. Uh, it was a perfect seat scene. of House Crees. <laughs> it was a perfect scene. You hate to see it. It was fantastic. Jamie, what'd you think overall? Uh, I think I'm going to go ahead and give it a, a smooth 44 out of 66. I'll agree with you, Jakey, baby. Oh, yeah. Um, it was good. It's, it's kind of the opposite of what usually happens with these shows and movies that we talk about here is typically, especially with these Marvel movies that we talk about, initially when I watch it, I like the movie a lot more than when I sit back and digest it. But for this episode, I wasn't really into it watching it initially, but as we've yeah. talked through it and as we've thought about it a little bit, the storylines are very interesting. Mm-hmm. So I like it more now than I did after finishing it, but still fell short of the previous episodes of this season. So I'll go with a 44 out of 66. But next week should be incredible. So tune in to the Hoopla podcast, to the Holocron Hoopla podcast next week when we talk about The Mandalorian Season 3, Episode 4. Should be a good one. I can't wait. And thank you all for tuning in. Go ahead, follow us on all those wonderful social media accounts. Leave us a review. Subscribe on whatever podcast app you're listening to. And uh, if you leave any reviews for us on the apps... On, on those podcast apps. We love reading them. So thank you for all your and support, we love everybody. You. Hoopla! We do we love, love you. you. We love each Hoopla. and every one of you more than you will ever know. <laughs> and as we end every episode of the Hoopla podcast, it is time for the moment of highest Hoopla, the quote of the episode. What do you got for us this week, Andy? As the armor said, did you bathe in the waters? And have you removed your helmet since? Then you may join our covert and live as your ancestors once did. You may leave at any time you wish. Until then, you are one of us. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. This is the hoopla. (laughs) Hoopla. Hoopla. I think it looked like he just drowned.